Oh, hey, it's me, that avocado that you pick from the store that you were so excited to make avo toast with to fit in with all the millennials, but you forgot about me, and now I'm brown, mushy, and disgusting. Oh, hey, fancy seeing you here. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Naomi, your host, and this is Mindful Movement. We talk about psychology, fitness, nutrition, and how all of those things are kind of the same thing, but not at all, or rather how they're connected. So let's get to it. So we're not directly talking about avocados, but we are talking about quarantine weight gain or stay at home order weight gain or I've been trapped inside my house for the past four months of 2020 and I'm going to kill myself because I keep eating chips cheese and drinking wine every night and I've now gained 20 pounds and I don't know who that person in the mirror is weight gain you know you know what I'm saying so let's just talk about the mental portion of that today. I'm not even going to dive into the science of meat or calories in, calories out, or macronutrients or micronutrients or any of that because all of this is grounded in your mental state, honestly. So I know it might feel a little left field, but you know what? Just follow me along, okay? I promise, I promise I will do right by you. And if I don't, just turn me off and never listen to this podcast ever again. Okay. Just kidding. Please don't do that. That would be terrible for me because I'm really trying to do good things in the universe. And by you listening, I hope that I make your life at least 0.01% better. You know, you know what I'm saying? Let's go, shall we? Let's talk about it. I think that the first thing to maybe note here or think about is, are you an introvert or are you an extrovert? And I want to talk about what those things actually mean because it doesn't just mean I like to be around a lot of people or I like to be alone in my house. It's a little bit more complicated than that and it has to do with energy systems and recharging. So to figure out if you're more introverted or more extroverted, you might stop and think to yourself, when I'm around a lot of people for an extended amount of time, am I tired or am I full of more energy? If you're one of those people who is full of more energy, you are most likely an extrovert. And this is a sliding scale. Being in the middle is called an ambivert. Most of us are an ambivert, but we tend towards being more introverted or extroverted. Introverted people, after being out with a lot of people, actually feel tired, like they need to rest or recharge. They might feel mentally tired or even physically tired, but It might be important to stop, kind of check in with yourself and figure out if you're an introvert or an extrovert. I mention this because obviously when you're staying inside, you are doing introverted things. And if you're an extrovert, you're going to have to work a lot harder to prioritize your mental health and to recharge your batteries with extroversion. This is so important for your mental health. I cannot stress it enough as an introvert. If I am around people for too long, I love people, but I just start to feel so <laughs> exhausted. It's it's a little bit hard to explain, 
But at the end of the day, if I even just take 10-15 minutes to myself, I feel so much better. So how do you recharge or feel better if you're an extrovert? Since my introverts, you're probably having fun reading books, doing stuff on the computer, starting projects, and talking to friends every once in a while. Introverts still need social contact, I want to be very clear. But my extroverts, what do I do? How do I fix this? Someone help me. I just want to go out with my friends. I have terrible news for you. It's 2020 and we won't be able to go out with our friends responsibly anytime soon. I think it's really hard to adjust from connecting with others through alcohol and food and shared experience and move that to an online platform. We're sort of desperate right now, so I think it's important to put a lot of weight and credit into Zoom calls and FaceTimes and phone calls. Don't just send a text message to your friend. That's not going to give you a lot of connection. Schedule a time and see them face to face. Hang out with them. This is cheesy, but drive to their house and drop off a craft. Schedule a call. Do it together. Do it with 20 of you. We kind of have to structure this thing and have fun with it and understand that human connection and feeling good and recharging your extroverted batteries is going to look a lot different right now. It just is. And it doesn't make the connection less important or of less quality because it's over a digital platform like FaceTime, a phone call, or a Zoom. Just put your little intention out there in the world and say, this is going to be a really good call with my friend. Take time and plan it. If you're not a planner, I don't care. (laughs) Just plan it, okay? Try it. Give her a go. Every Tuesday, 5 p.m., you, me, Jerry, and Linda, we're all having a Zoom call and we're going to have a great time. Yes, there's fun stuff. I think it's called Jackbox that you play uh, games over the internets with each other. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this. Um, But imagine playing charades or something from far away. I would also like to preface this with, I've never actually played this. I'm just (laughs) passing on the information. But it might be a really, really cool way to connect with your friends while you're not able to be close to them. Schedule something, schedule a game night, have a good time, make it recurring, recharge yourself, call a friend, you can do this. All right, so we have a few solutions for our extroverted friends as far as the introverted extroverted perspective of mental health and weight gain. My point here is that if your mental health isn't in a good place and you are not recharging on a daily basis or weekly basis, that you will be more apt to self-soothe yourself with food, very common, or out of boredom. I think a lot of this stems from not having a structure or a plan to your day. So structure and plan your day. It is vitally important that You wake up at a scheduled time. You go to bed at a scheduled time. I understand that that you might be furloughed from work. You might not have a lot of things to do. You may have kids. You may not have kids. You might have a hobby that you can't do anymore. So now you're just lost because your day is just full of Netflix and 
never getting out of your clothes, for your own mental health, for your schedule, so you're not bored eating and you're not eating to self-soothe. You need a schedule. That schedule and plan can look different depending on personalities. I'm a very planned person. My plan is going to look like wake up at 6 a.m., go to bed at 10 p.m., do eat breakfast at X, you know what I mean? Like work out at Y, work on the podcast from this time to this time, work on something else from this time to that time. It is not everyone's prerogative or objective to have a super, super structured day that way. I write my day down in a planner and I also have a digital planner. If you are not a planner, if I am not speaking your language, it can be a loose plan, but you at least need a wake-up time and a bedtime. A wake-up time and a bedtime will ensure that you are take care, taking care of yourself and at least prioritizing the beginnings and ends of a structured schedule. What you do in between those times might just have loose rules. One of my loose rules is be sure that you get up, you get ready for the day, every single day, even if you're not going somewhere. This does amazing things for your mental health because look good feel good is a real thing but it also is part of that structure it doesn't have to be get ready at 9 a.m right drink coffee at 10 a.m or 8 a.m or whatever that is but if there's loose rules in place if you're not a big planner it may be well suited for you to have some loose rules throughout the day or just rules of thumb that you follow and a solid wake up and a bedtime. For my super structured people, y'all already know what to do. You're going to plan your day till you're blue in the face. <laughs> but either way, that will leave less time to be sitting there bored, not soothing yourself, and just having anxiety about everything that's going on and eating out of boredom and not knowing what to do. And for those of you that are planners, it's really important to touch on some of us, a lot of us have this socially rewarding tool of self-soothing that is manipulating our environment around us. That means over-cleaning, over-planning, and strangling structure and plan to death as well as organization. So if you are my planning folk, please, please, please use this tool to your advantage. Do not obsess or overuse it. Understand and set a boundary within yourself that says, okay, if I'm an over planner, if I over structure till I'm blue in the face, I need to know when enough is enough. Am I self soothing by Overcleaning and over manipulating my environment, meaning scheduling, cleaning, obsessing over what other people's do people people do around me. If you're cohabitating with other children, adults, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, what have you, do not, please, I repeat, do not. You will make your life very hard. Manipulate them. They are not part of your environment. Do not tell them where to put their dirty dish, when to put their dirty dish. No, release it. It has nothing to do with you. If you like to live in a clean environment and the people you are cohabitating with are not clean people, there's a middle ground for you. You have to maintain sanity and you have to get a good grasp on 
good self-soothing tools to be able to not overeat and gain a bunch of weight in stay-at-home orders and quarantine. Comprende? Let's dive a little deeper into self-soothing and why we so often lean into food as a mechanism of self-soothing. So when we eat, we produce a lot of dopamine. Not only that, we usually do it in groups of people and in times of connection. And so we learn fairly quickly that, well, our brains do, this makes us feel really good. One of the quickest, easiest ways to get a hit of dopamine is to eat something. So how do you kind of hack this system and say and notice when and where and why you want to self-soothe with food? Yes, in quarantine. A quick aside, I hope this doesn't need to be stated, but I'm going to state it anyways. Obviously, self-soothing by overeating is going to cause weight gain most of the time because we're kind of at a a double whammy in quarantine and stay-at-home orders where we're stuck inside, so we're moving less, and we're eating more because we're trying to self-soothe with food. I hope that that's clear. Okay, back to self-soothing with food and how to begin to identify when you're doing it and why. So... Do you ever walk over to your fridge and just open it and wonder why you're staring into the gigantic blue light LED abyss of all of the food in your refrigerator and the ketchup is staring back at you like, don't pick me, don't pick me. And then the steak that you ate last night is like, how about me? No? Yeah. Or you find yourself in the pantry just eating handfuls of chips or standing in the pantry eating handfuls of chips that's my all-time favorite well when that's happening it's not always going to be perfect you might catch yourself when you feel like opening the fridge or the pantry door you might catch yourself in the middle of self-soothing with food or after most of us start with after we feel really guilty and we think why did i eat that i wasn't even hungry Ah, you started somewhere. You identified it. That's the beginnings. Your next progression of that is to notice while you're in the act or before doing it. Then you can start to dive into why am I self-soothing? Why am I doing this? This tool can also be used with the over-manipulation that I talked about earlier. Why am I yelling at my partner when they leave a dirty dish in the sink? What is happening within me that that's so upsetting. It's a dish. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't it really doesn't matter. What is it saying? What is it why are you in this place where you're on empty? So, it begins in identifying and then once you identify, we need to begin to fix it. So, once you've stopped yourself and you've started to say, "Okay, I've done a really good job. I stopped myself before I ate the bag of chips and now I'm just standing here with the bag of chips in my hand now what well you have to work backwards what do I feel right now there's this tool called a feeling wheel I absolutely love it if you just do a quick google you can find a feeling wheel it is this big colorful like rainbow looking pie sliced out wheel or circle that's divided up and if you start on the outside it has all of these feelings um 
disgust, like, uh, like really just dis- descriptive words. There's like disgusted, uncomfortable. Um, I'm trying to think of complicated emotions. Anyways, they work, uh, delighted is another one. Cheery. Um, you work your way in to the next level of less complicated or descriptive words all the way to the center. And we find, I believe there are six core feelings, happy, sad, um, anger. There might be five core feelings. Either way, you work your way on the outside into the inside and you find what the core and the root feeling is. Once you figure out the emotion that you're having, you can then ask yourself, why am I X emotion? So in this instance, why am I angry? Anxiety is listed on a feeling wheel. Don't worry, it has a root emotion too, but but say you've you've landed on angry. Why am I angry? Maybe you're angry because you're stuck inside. Maybe you're angry at your partner for putting the dirty dish in. If, if you are coming up with surface questions, dig deeper. Why am I angry the dish is in the sink? What does that mean? Does that mean my partner doesn't care about me? Does that mean it's not important enough to them because I've asked them not to do it and that means I don't matter? Why does that make me upset when I feel like I don't matter? Does that mean that they don't love me if I don't matter? There's a root, right? Dig, dig deeper and deeper and deeper. Once you start asking yourself those questions and finding those answers, your self-soothing techniques will begin to change and you will notice your behaviors change and you are not even trying because you're doing the work to fix the root, the core of the problem. And you're not just stopping yourself at the refrigerator and saying, no, don't do that. You're more complicated than that. And you need to dig deep and understand why. Not everybody is ready to do that. If this feels uncomfortable for you, I encourage you, my friend, to lean in. Lean in when it is uncomfortable. That is a huge sign to tell you that you have found gold. If you don't want to do it, lean in. Now, there's another piece to this and you might use the feeling wheel and say, okay, I'm sad. I'm sad. And you ask yourself, why am I sad? You might be coming up with, I don't know. I don't know. And you're sitting there. Why am I sad? Wow. I don't even know why I'm sad. You might be having a flashback. You might be unsure. You might be out of touch with your emotions. When I say flashback, I'm referring specifically to CPTSD, Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. I'm not going to get in that into that today, but essentially it just means that you're triggered and you're kind of in your lizard brain. You're locked out. So how do you tune back in? You need to ground yourself and find breath. So if you're finding yourself with, I don't know why I'm sad. I need you to do an exercise right where you are in the pantry, at the fridge, wherever you are. No one has to know you're doing it, but you're going to check in with your senses. What do I feel? Do I feel my shoes or my feet in my shoes? Are my feet on the ground? What does that feel like? Is it cold? Is it hot? Um, If you can't do touch, you can do smell. What do I smell right now? What do I see? 
I see the counter, I see the ketchup, I see the steak, and, and just start walking yourself through all of your senses, okay? That is going to help ground you and bring you back online into your body, calm the central nervous system, and allow you to ask yourself that question again. That will only work if your I don't know is because you are in flashback or you were triggered. If you really don't know and you have bad context with your emotions, you might like, well, if grounding doesn't work, you might just have to really dig deep and try to find those solutions. It's not easy. You might have to revisit these questions over and over and over again. Do not expect this to happen overnight. This is a long journey, okay? You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Now, we walked through self-soothing, eating. Well, we, we kind of talked about why eating helps self-soothing, right? But what are some other things we can do instead of eating? These are band-aids, guys. These don't fix the problem. I just walked you through how to fix it at its root, but this could take years. This can take decades. This is always a work in progress. I don't want that to like defeat you. I don't want you to feel like it's impossible because let me tell you, it might happen for you in a few days. It might take a few years. It might take a few decades. Be patient with yourself. It's always going to continue to get better as long as you're being mindful and trying to do it. I hope that makes sense. But self-soothing. What do I do to self-soothe? I'm feeling anxious, sad, angry, upset, whatever that means, right? How do I pick a new self-soothing mechanism? We learn self-soothing when we are infants. We look to our parents to self-soothe us, well, soothe us before we learn to do it ourselves. So we might learn to suck on our thumb. Some of us learn food, breastfeeding, obviously. Um, there's a lot of people who find self-soothing techniques because their mother never comforted them. But if we're looking at a surface level in the modern day today, you can find a hobby right so something to get you what what's a what's what's a double fold solution right obviously exercise but you can't exercise 24 hours a day so say that takes up an hour or 90 minutes of your day meditation is a beautiful beautiful hobby that will help bring mindfulness breathing exercises find a book find something that makes you feel good go on a walk that's one of my absolute favorite ones. You have to remember that when you eat, you're essentially grounding yourself. You're tasting food. You're present. You're in your body. How do you come back to your body? How do you calm the central nervous system? How do you come back online and get out of the feeling space where you need to self-soothe yourself? You come back to your body. You go on a walk. You do something with your kids. Do a face mask. This all sounds silly and kind of surface, but, but it is helpful. Make a list of three to five techniques that you can use. Google them, use some ones I mentioned, but pull out this list on your phone if you catch yourself and you're still feeling anxious. A lot of people need to talk to a friend. That might mean you're an extrovert, double whammy again, right? Introverts need to talk to friends too. And I would like to mention, I didn't mention this earlier, but some introverts can be introverting with one friend around. That still counts as introverting as long as it's recharging you. They are part of your internal landscape, your internal world. Very important. Also a total side note. Now, 
The next thing to address is being proactive, not reactive. Everything I've talked about up until this point is a reactive strategy. You're reacting to how you feel, the situation, the stimulus. Being proactive, because we're professionals here, is setting yourself up for success, setting yourself up to not need to self-soothe. Yes, that is possible in quarantine. It's possible with the hand that you're dealt. So once you figure out and you've been reactive for a little bit, you should know what's triggering you to self-soothe. It might be the person you're cohabitating with. It could be your kids. It could be that you never ever refill your cup and you're an extrovert and you're just trapped inside and you feel really sad and empty and tired emotionally. It could be a number of things. It could be all of these things but once you figure it out you're gonna start to put in place strategies you're gonna be proactive to set yourself up to not need to self-soothe you're gonna avoid that stimulus and avoid is a, is a bad word I, I take it back you're gonna set yourself up to solve the problem that's causing it so you don't need to avoid anything and it is fairly smooth sailing again This doesn't work the first time. This might not work the millionth time, but trying again and again and again over time will help. So if you use the example that the person you're cohabitating with is triggering you, let's use the dirty dish in the sink. My husband is leaving a dirty dish in the sink and I can't handle it. The root of that means he doesn't love or care about me because he doesn't listen to me and my opinions don't matter. Now, once you've kind of pulled yourself out of that emotional place and you ask yourself, is that really true? No, it's not true. I know you might feel like it's true. The fact of the matter is that we're all raised with different families and your husband needs some grace and you need some grace as well. So you make noises with your face, you talk to the person you're cohabitating with, and you say, okay, you leave a dirty dish in the sink. I don't like that. This is why I don't like that. It makes me feel unloved. Now, you're going to probably go down a little rabbit hole about how that's not true. But if you bring yourself back and you say, okay, how do we set it up so that you either don't put your dirty dish in the sink or I am not triggered. The middle ground is somewhere in between those two. You cannot control anybody else. I want to be very clear. You can ask them, you can give them the opportunity, but you can't control what they do. And oftentimes, the harder we wrench on those people to try to control them, the worse it gets. So what are you going to do? What are some solutions? Do, 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 cue Jeopardy music. (laughs) Well, you can get paper plates. You can choose to leave the dish in the sink and do a different self-soothing activity. Every time he leaves a dish in the sink, you can make it a joke and say, you owe me a dollar, put it in the jar. So there's a physical representation of every single time it's happening. There's multitudes of solutions. It's different for every single couple. If we use the example of your kids, if your kids are driving you up the wall and they want to be entertained and you're cohabitating them with them and they need to be entertained 24-7. They need you all the time. How can you set up a solution where they're entertained? 
Well, you do the same thing. You make noises with your face, aka you communicate with them, and you say, hey, listen, from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., that's when so-and-so Jimmy naps, right? That's when I'm going to recharge myself and set up an activity for the kids so that once they wake up, they have a structured activity to do that maybe involves me or doesn't involve me, right? You have to water them, but in order to water them, your cup has to be full. I hope my analogies make sense, my metaphors. So there's always a solution. I know it doesn't always feel like it, but a lot of these solutions start in communication and they end there as well. So I highly encourage you to communicate with yourself, communicate with those that you're cohabitating with, and just identify each little thing as a problem that needs a solution or a bridge to get over. It doesn't speak to your worthiness. It doesn't speak to who you are as a person. It doesn't speak to the quality of your relationship with your kids or your husband or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whoever. It's just a little problem that needs a little solution. If it's a big problem, it just needs a bigger bridge, a little more time, a little more thought, and a little more effort. You can do it. All right. The last thing that we're going to talk about is the simplest solution we have on the drawing board today. It's that duh moment, and it is literally, literally one of the base foundational tips I give almost all of my clients and friends who ask me, how do I stop eating? Guess what? Don't put crappy food in your house. What a concept. I know. Okay. I will admit it sounds really, really easy and it is really hard. The battles are fought and won at the supermarket and it is harder if you have kids, but they can still be won. And when you sit down to eat a meal or when you are walking through the grocery store, when you pick up the food, I want you to ask yourself one very simple question. How does this food serve me? Is it nourishing to my body, to my cells, or is it soothing? Does it make me feel good? It's okay to purchase food that is for soothing purposes. You aren't going to get this 100% of the time. I want to be very, very clear. And sometimes it's okay to self-soothe with food. It's balance. It's awareness. It's knowing the difference. It's, it's looking at your shopping cart and knowing that you have 90% nourishing good food. It's looking at your plate and saying, my plate is 90%, 80%, 70% will take what we can get. Good food that nourishes my body. Okay? Yes, oftentimes it's true. Nourishing food does not nourish the soul. It doesn't feel as good to eat. Okay? It just doesn't. It's a balance. It's a balance. It's a balance. Long-term play here, not short-term. But you're going to look at each and every meal as a short-term battle. A short-term... I, I hate I hate calling it a battle, but it's the analogy I use. I wish there was something better. You're not fighting yourself, right? But you're looking at your food and you're asking, how does this serve me? Right? Simple. Easy. Does it soothe me and feed, feed my soul? Or does it feed my cells? Which, who am I feeding today? Most of the time, I want you to choose to feed and nourish your body. 
for longevity, for health, for good emotion, for good sustainability, to, to take care of your temple. But you're going to have to soothe your soul and feel good some of the time. It's just choosing those battles and winning them. Again, I hate the battle thing. Anyways, that's it for today. I wish you guys the best of luck. Be gentle with yourself. Have grace. Have a beautiful day. I love you all. I can't thank you enough. If you are liking the content that I'm producing, go give me a follow on Instagram. It's mindfulmovement.cpt or even better, subscribe to this podcast so that you know when it gets published. Write a review and rate it. Writing a review helps me a lot. It helps my podcast get seen. If that's too much for you, I completely understand, but maybe you can use it to self-soothe yourself. I'm just kidding, by the way. (laughs) Have a lovely today, and I'll catch you next time.